Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Have you got a small business idea? Have you got something itching inside of you that you want to start? Or maybe you've started your business a couple of years ago and you really just want to optimize. Maybe you're working full-time in that industry and you want to make a business on the side in the same industry or within the same orbit or the same ecosystem as that industry. Well, you are in the right place. Today in the podcast, I'm talking with Abby Naylor. She's a personal brand coach. We're going to touch on everything that you need to know to succeed online and in person and really nail that LinkedIn part if you are in professional services. Now, we're going to break this episode up into two parts. The first part, we're just going to talk about like your personal brand and LinkedIn and all that stuff because there's heaps of gold there. Even if you aren't a small business owner or any interest in small business, you'll really learn how to up your LinkedIn game and we'll share a bit of Abby's story and it'll be awesome. Then we'll have a break and then we'll come back and just talk shop about her business, growth, and we'll just see if we can dig and dig and dig and get into some trouble along the way as usual. Well, my name's Glenn James. This is Abby Naylor. Thank you, Abby, for joining us today. Thank you, Glenn, for having me. And let's get into it. This is My Millennial Money. So, Abby, what I like to do is just get a bit of a sense of what you're doing at the moment, uh, more in a full-time fashion. And then we'll talk about the transition about doing your own thing and building your own business. But spoiler alert, everyone, I want you to follow Bold Mood on Instagram. I want you to follow Abby Naylor on LinkedIn. We'll put a link in the show notes because this is the early spoiler alert. Abby helps people turn up their LinkedIn presence to either get a better job, get a promotion, get a pay rise, get more clients for their business. Any reason that you want to use LinkedIn Abby specializes in tweaking your LinkedIn presence and putting a strategy behind that. And I can share later in the business how I've used LinkedIn to make serious money. So all that to say, spoiler alert aside, follow Abby, check her out. What are you doing right now aside from bold mood? At the moment, I am working full-time at a recruitment agency um, and I have for the past three years. Um, So my role there is brand experience advisor. Um, so when I first started there, I started in uh, COVID. So normally what recruiters do is they focus on going out to clients and a lot of like BD. Um, but during COVID, we were all working from home. So they, they didn't have the ability to go offline and, you know what I mean, make those connections. So when I first started, to be honest, I didn't really know what personal branding was. Um, and then I was introduced to it with my um, from my boss. And then I just listened to a few podcasts about that as well. And when I started working more intimately with um, our recruiters and consultants, I got to know them and I found out about their experience. They've been in recruitment for years and the connections they had offline. But then when I tried to help them build their brands online, they didn't quite know how to kind of articulate themselves or, you know what I mean, build connections on LinkedIn. So just back to the current role, Yes. just for my own understanding, you were really working with, say, the recruiters in the business 
and their clients, which might be companies. Yes. Who are after people, or were you also working with people that were looking for jobs to help them turn up their profile? Like, what was the actual role? So, my role as a brand experience advisor, uh, well, I was a coordinator at the time, because what I do, I'm internal, like, my role is internal, it's mm. not an external role. So, I don't talk to clients or I don't help the clients, I help our employees and their experience. Okay, awesome. Yes. That's what I'm getting at. Because, yes. And the reason I wanted to just clarify that is. Because there are going to be people listening to this who want to start their own business one day, who want to do something on the side. Through that current role, you fell, I'll say fell into an opportunity. COVID happened, you know, and then this opportunity, oh, people need to up their game online. Mm. And within that industry, there was a niche that you found or saw and you're like, there is something to this. And you kind of kept scratching the surface. I did. Yes. So when I first started at my full-time job, I did have a background in HR and recruitment. So I only use LinkedIn as a recruiter tool. And so when I first started at my full-time job, I was introduced into LinkedIn that was more of a marketing tool. Um, So, and at the start, when my boss first said, she's like, Abs, you're going to have to, you know what I mean, flex the muscle more on LinkedIn because I was as a creative, my creative outlet is Instagram. So I was very confident on Instagram. And then when it came to LinkedIn, I had this, there was a stigma around it for me. There was a stigma that it was just for CEO level men on there um, or for recruiters to, you know what I mean, find um, find people jobs. Yeah, yeah. headhunt on there. Um, and also C-level men kind of doing their thing. Um, and it's not until I kind of dived into it and I was working with our consultants and the part of HR and recruitment that I really liked is helping people in their careers, Mm. but I'm also a creative at heart. So I also really loved the creative side and the marketing component that comes with marketing yourself for your career. So then this idea came to me as, and that's where it kind of, that's where it kind of all started to, to flow for me. And I was like, okay, so I work, there's 80 plus people in this company who I've helped build their personal brands online. I wonder how many other people have this same kind of belief about LinkedIn and they're still kind of just lurking on there thinking that it's like a re- for recruiters and level CEO level men. Um, so that's what kind of led me into building a business Mm. around it. I just love it because before I had my mentor, when I was 25 working as a financial advisor in Sydney, I was like total life, don't know what I'm going to do. It was catastrophic. I was catastrophizing. I was like, my life's over. I don't like commuting here. I don't love this. I'm not good. All these thoughts, right? Mm. I don't know what to do. I'm not good at anything. And then my mentor just looked in third person. It's like, no, you're actually really good at this specific area. Mm. You can start your own business. I'm like, nah, nah. And it was just that person speaking in. And so a couple of things, and then we'll kind of move on to some in the weeds of what you're doing. If you are kind of wondering, I want to start a business. And I talked for years about, I want to start a business. I want to do my own thing. Mm. A good friend of mine, Ben and Chris Gleason, like they started Glee Coffee, would always chat about, oh, I'll do my own thing one day. And they kind of started their coffee thing and I was still an employee and I was like, oh, I don't have my coffee thing. And it was just that it could take from the moment that you listen to this today to 
a year's time, two years time, whatever that is, just start looking for gaps in your current environment, whether you're a nurse at the hospital and you see something and it's like, oh, they really need to solve that. Or if you're in a a decent sized small or medium business and Mm. you're working with different stakeholders and there's always this gap. And all that to say, like, just keep looking everyone, listen between the words of Abby's story. And then finally, if you do want to really turn up your LinkedIn presence and this whole personal brand thing, I used to think the personal brand thing was a little bit wanky uh, and I'll tell you why because it was more for that I want to be an influencer, I want to be the entrepreneur, I want to be all this. But if you are finding yourself listening to this podcast and you're a young professional or you want to increase your career, within your industry you need to be known as within this industry, they're that specialist. And and I'm just kind of ranching here, everyone, so please go with me. Because <laughs> I, I do want to use these podcasts as an opportunity to encourage people and that's why I'll just get some rants in here and then we'll go back to you. But like as an example, when I was a financial advisor, I joined the Association of Financial Advisors, right? So industry body, There are industry bodies almost in every industry, right? I want to encourage everyone to lean into that. I went to the first conference in Cairns in 2016 or 15 or something like that. A thousand people there. Guess how many people I knew there? Like one, Mm. just, and they were doing speaking events and I got to see them once at the opening party. So I had to step up. I had to go out of my comfort zone and that was kind of the start of building my career and almost that personal brand within my industry. And, you know, I went up through the industry. I ended up on the board of the association, ended up being a key figure in the industry. Like we'd go to Canberra, talk with um, ministers, politicians, and just really at that forefront of the industry. And that personal brand, like you could be in flooring right now listening to this. Mm. Go to the National Floorers Association be that person, but you're going to need to up your game on LinkedIn and be known in that industry. So, and you could still be an employee if you want to up your personal brand. And because, and I'm just saying these words because I was thinking about it, I just had to get it out uh, more of an encouragement because you do need to be known in your industry, whether you're an employee or wanting to build your own thing. And if you are an employee, if your boss is like, wondering, oh, why is this person going so hard on LinkedIn? Maybe like, hey, this is what's good for the geese, good for the gander. I'll be able to get us more clients perhaps and all that stuff. So all that to say, do you want to, I guess, retort or give me some feedback of those comments on the personal branding lens? Yeah. And a lot of people do, with personal branding, people do think in quotation, it is, can be quite wanky because Mm. it does involve you to drop your ego and put yourself out there. Um, And a lot of it is, I guess, confidence in forming your own opinion on topics and, you know what I mean, creating educational content um, and engaging content, inspiring content. And, you know I mean, thinking outside the square a little bit. Mm. Um, And what I always tell my clients is it's a long game strategy. Like it's not just you're going to work with me for three months and, you know what I mean, you're going to have all this influence and impact on the world. 
Like what I help people do is to kind of build their confidence online. Um, And that's, yes, by showing up on LinkedIn, through content, through engaging with other creators, through um, with your colleagues and also networking, like Mm. networking online and offline. Like recently um, I went to Bali with people that I'd met on LinkedIn. Mm. I didn't. I didn't know them. In, I only knew two of them in person. Um, but just from showing up in the last three years, the power that it has, like at the start when I first started, I got a few likes on my posts. And, you know, you can't let that deter you because it is a long game strategy. Metrics are important. Don't get me mm. wrong. Like you do eventually kind of want to build up that following. But Yeah, I think once you start building that confidence online and you start having those conversations, it is an investment Mm. and a long game strategy. Yeah, I so agree about the long game strategy because I'm just like in real time thinking, you know, I in the, it must have even been 2014 when I first went to the conference in Cairns and I didn't Mm. know anyone, right? Or even 13, like it was a long time ago. At the end of 2018, I was on the board of the association and that very conference that I went to and not knowing anyone, fast forward four years, four or five years or whatever it was, I was the chair of the conference committee and helping organize the conference and hosting the conference and emceeing it. Yeah. It honestly just starts from a conversation, Glenn. Yes. Like it it starts from if you start chatting to like reach out to someone on LinkedIn, or if you comment on their post, it acts as a domino effect. The the connections that you can make, mm. honestly, is incredible. But I think it's so important, though, like to have that presence online and where possible in your industry or networks, back it up offline. Yes. So if you can go to events in your capital city, or if you can go to an annual conference, yeah. back it up offline so they they know the name, they've seen your posts and then you build that connection. And people might think, oh, that was just chance or whatever. But I, because I've always said for years, like for career people, Mm. you hang around somewhere long enough, you'll end up running the place. Chat with Alan Joyce, chat with the new Quanta CEO. Like they'd both worked there for a million years. He Mm. was the CEO of Jetstar. Like it doesn't always happen. But I did that again because in 2017, I went to FinCon in America, the biggest personal finance creators conference in the world, which isn't huge. There's only like 1,500 attendees, but still like all niche content creators just for money. Yeah. Went there, only knew maybe two people at that conference. Yeah. A friend of the podcast, Vince Scully, the first time I met him from Sydney was at that conference in Dallas. So I met some other Aussies there. But fast forward, I kept going back to the conference Last year, I did a presentation at the conference and that was awesome. And then this year, I was asked to MC the main platform for the two days that they're doing the main platform in front of the 1,500 people. And people might look at that who might be a, a first-time attendee and like, oh, that guy, hey, come, he's up there. I'll never be as successful as that. But no, it was a long-term strategy. I do a one, four years and rock up and be no one and yeah. just lean in and learn and give back. So... I would say the absolute dynamite is building up that online brand, whether it is LinkedIn, whether it is Instagram, and then backing it up if you can on a semi-annual or annual basis in person in those industry circles. And I think it's important as well when you are networking online and offline is to show up online as the person you are offline as well. And that's something that I do. It's tricky on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is known 
for people to have to speak professional. It's a professional network, yes, but it's also human to human. And people want to engage with other people's content and have a conversation. They don't want something that's been developed off ChatGPT or, you know what I mean, thinking you're giving them the content and conversation that they think they want to have. But when they meet you in real life, it's polar opposite. Mm. You know what I mean? So keeping that consistency on there. And that's something that I do coach my clients as well is to show up authentically online and not just, and don't let um, the thought of LinkedIn kind of cripple you mm. as well, because that is, I am trying to break down that barrier as well and try to, um, yeah, help people realize that. So it's just some practical tips for, and I, I wasn't going to go there, but I think I'll produce this episode on the fly and we might just round this out and just talk about some practical tips for people. Yep. Then we'll talk about your own business. Then we'll talk about just general questions. Yep. Maybe we'll do that. Practical tips. If someone was like, oh, I do want to start to have a presence because I think it is important to start to, I hate the word network, but whatever, we'll use it. Yes. You know, if I didn't go to the association conferences, I wouldn't have met my really good friends, Phil Thompson and James Millard, who are also financial advisors. I'm not an advisor anymore, but we're still working together. They're lifelong friendships, travel the world together, all that. Like you've got to get out there and meet people. And even people in the same industry are not a threat. There is plenty of work for everyone. More is more, collaborate over competition, all that stuff. What are some practical tips if someone was like at the bottom of Mount Everest, not even at base camp and they want to get started? Yep. Like are you like freaking get a good photo first? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So what I would recommend is set the foundations first. Yeah. So before you want to, I guess, engage, um, you want to make sure that your profile is walking the talk for you. So when you are creating content, people land on your profile. They know exactly who you are how are you going to help them in their careers or business and, you know what I mean, what your niche is. Mm. So going going to basics, make sure your profile picture represents who you are. Um, it's still professional. We're not talking selfies at the nightclub mm. or things like that. Like make sure that's um, a nice professional photo. And I think optimising your profile, so making it clear what you do, who you help in your headline, um, your about me section, that is the prime real estate for you to share a bit about your career trajectory and I guess how that has shaped to where you are and how you're going to help your clients or your audience with um, a current pain problem that they have and how you help solve that. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's also like building your credibility in there as well. Um, So the aim of the game is you want to build trust with your audience as well. So step one, optimize your profile. So just making sure your banner, your profile picture is clear, your, and so is your headline and your um, about me section and just populate what your experience is as well. So making sure you are building trust with your audience, with the experience and your reputation, because people won't know if Mm. you don't tell them. And if you are not hell bent on starting your own business or your own career, your whole thing could be, I'm an executive in this industry because yes. I think it's important to have that authority piece because that will allow you to be headhunted. That's a good problem to have because it means you're well-known in the industry yep. and it means there could be more opportunities for you. Not saying that if you are headhunted, you have to take the position, but it is that I'm a account manager for the entertainment industry or for the flooring industry and I get floors laid. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I work, I've worked for recruiter, worked with recruiters and helped build their personal brands for years now. So I know what they look for mm-hmm. and I know exactly, yes, you have your CV, um, but your LinkedIn, that's the first place that they look. I did a thing the other day and they're like, it was so dumb. They're like, oh, upload your resume or something. I forget what it was for. I'm like, hey, just look on LinkedIn. Like I yeah. don't actually have a CV or resume. I'm not creating one. Straight up, if you want to know my history, LinkedIn, don't actually care. And if that's not good enough for you, we're not doing this thing. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's a digital world now. Yeah. That's the first place employers and recruiters go. So in terms of bold mood, you know, that stuff you've just talked about is will get us to the Everest base camp. Yes, it will. So setting the foundations is what I would say first step is. And I think if you are still building your confidence online, I don't suggest building a strategy and saying, yes, I'm going to post every single day and I'm going to spend hours on end. I don't recommend that until you kind of, you know what I mean? Start small. Mm. Don't overwhelm yourself. Like if you, if networking, I know you don't like that term, but if networking is daunting for you, then start by commenting on someone's post. Mm. You know what I mean? Start commenting on a colleague's post or um, start following five people that you look up to or join a group in LinkedIn that might have like-minded people in there that's in your industry or who you want to help and start commenting on their posts. Because when you do comment on their posts, it's the biggest engagement tool and that's a way it's building your audience. Yeah. So in terms of, because we'll move on to kind of like the businessy things now, but this is helpful for people because you're listening to this if you're an aspiring business owner or at least got some type of aspiration and ambition in your life. I love the Everest analogy in my own world because that getting to base camp, I can rock up tomorrow and book a tour and it'll take me to base camp, whoop-de-doo. But for me to go from base camp to the top, that requires strategy. It requires some actual planning. It requires some professional chat. And I would hypothesize that bold mood will help people get from base camp to the summit. Perfect hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's take a break, then we'll come back and talk your business and then we'll answer some business questions. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, we're back. We've got all that kind of hygiene factor, trenches, working in the business. Now we're going to work on the business because every business has that thing working in the business and working on the business. Right now at this very moment, I'm working in the business because I'm creating a product that we'll put up as a podcast. There'll be ads attached to it. This is a rev generating thing for me. And like you on LinkedIn, when you're up there posting, you're working in the business you could say that first 20 minutes of this episode, you're working in your business because we were talking about your craft. I wanted to advertise your services for people and we'll put a link in the show notes and all that. But now let's work on your business. So as it stands at the moment, you've just dropped back part-time. So you're doing four days a week, PAYG employee and one day a week dedicated to bold mood. Yes. So what's the current strategy in the play around that? Did you have to tell work that, hey, I want to go part-time so I can build my own thing. Don't worry, it's not competing directly. How did that all go down? My boss has been super supportive um, from the start of my journey. I bought my business name back in 2021 and I wanted to, I'm a very loyal employee. So I didn't, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't doing anything, stepping on any toes or anything like that. So I always made my boss aware of, um, yeah, what I was doing. So I think when it came time to, I launched my business, I didn't have a crystal ball to say, all these clients going to come through or uh, to be honest, I launched to launch, you know what I mean? I got my brand out there. Um, but what I didn't, I didn't build it to scale. Mm. So I did start having all of these clients come to me and you know what I mean? I had to start, you know what I mean? Scaling it so I could still balance my full-time job and also work on my business. Um, but that eventually did come with its challenges. So it just took the conversation, I guess, with my boss just to say that, I do need to drop part-time just so I, not for just your mental health balance, Mm. but also um, to what I was doing just to give you a bit of an understanding. So work 8.30 to 5 o'clock at my full-time job and then I was in my lunch breaks, I would do client calls and then at nighttime I would have dinner, then I would log back on and then I will do the marketing and sales component. Then it would come to the weekend and that's when I would try and build, for example, some like my courses that I'm building. Mm. So I think it got to a point as well, if I want Bold Mood to grow, I'm going to have to put the time and energy into it. And when I was working full time, I was just putting my leftover energy into it Um, and I need to nurture it. So having that conversation with my boss to drop just one day, it just alleviates that pressure um, and also just gives me that one day where I can do my client calls, work on Um, you know what I mean? The marketing and sales behind it. I can record a podcast or build a bit of a strategy with my offers um, as well. So yeah, just having that extra day um, just kind of, yeah, it alleviated that pressure for me. And then as well at my weekends, I can still kind of have them to do all the adult things as well. So Glenn, the way that I did frame that as well with my boss was if you have me like four solid days, the energy split for me 
you'll have me intentionally for four days. So instead of me trying to fit everything into every single minute of the day and me possibly checking out, checking out some, like, you know what I mean? Halfway through the day or, you know what I mean? So it just, it kind of, it helps them (laughs) make me like, you know what I mean? Helps me show up as a better employee for them. Yeah. And it's a win-win. And to be honest, the productivity probably won't change with them because we've moved to the four day work week and productivity doesn't change. It actually increases. Yes. I, what I did kind of, or what I'm still working out at the moment is the employee mindset and the entrepreneur mindset. Mm. And they do, yeah, they do bump heads um, because I've been in corporate for eight years now. So. And just for everyone, you're under 30. I'm under 30. Yes. So yeah, I've been in corporate for eight years and that's what I know. You Mm. know what I mean? I went to school, I went to uni, I got a corporate job and generally what happens is you work up the corporate ladder. So, and I get a salary each month. Mm. So having that safety net of having a salary and then now I'm having, like having that entrepreneur mindset where I'm having to, you know what I mean? I'm earning money that way. It's, yeah, it has been quite a mindset shift, even for like balancing my finances as well. Yeah. And on that, did you have to make sure your personal finances were pretty tight before? Like, were you up to the eyeballs in personal loan debt and credit card debt and living week to week before you pull that thread? So I, my personal finances, I've always been quite well at budgeting. Um, Just always, I have all my different bank accounts and you know what I mean? I know where my money's going, but this year has been, I've invested a lot in myself and I've invested a lot into bold mood. So paying for the branding, paying for a business and mindset coach. So it feels like I'm not, I'm not saving a lot or I'm not, I don't know, investing in other Mm. things as well, but I'm investing in myself. And yeah, I think I've had to do a lot of work on my mindset with my personal finance as well. And just kind of those habits, because I didn't want them to kind of bleed into my business. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's something that I've worked on over the years. What month did you officially launch Bold Mood? Uh, June this year. Yeah. But you'd kind of, as you said, like you'd kind of been doing this on the skirts anyway, but that was just more the official, here's the brand, here's the actual website and we're going to market. Correct. So what is your current um, one day a week business strategy or at the moment, what's your main focus? So my main focus at the moment is to build. So build my offers. So because I am quite time poor at the moment, mm. um, just with balancing work and my business, um, creating products that I can still add value, but that doesn't take a lot of my time and energy. For example, that um, one-on-one coaching would kind of thing. So, mm. um, so yeah, building, um, building behind the scenes and also still building my personal brand. Like that's also super important as well um, whilst building my business. So yeah, just the marketing behind that and still kind of creating my influence and my impact um, as well as adding as much value as I can to my audience. Um, So yeah, that part-time day for me is all about building still. What do you do if you get a a lead that's like, yeah, I want to engage you for personal LinkedIn, personal brand coaching. Yes. Like how do you take someone who's paying you a one-on-one premium service? Like what's actually the offer? And you don't have to tell us the prices now because someone might listen to this in two years and 
might be different. So it's actually irrelevant. So if someone pays you, um, what's the program that you give them and the deliverables? So generally um, we will have a hour strategy sesh at the beginning and just to kind of uh, um, go through what their objectives and what their goals are in their career or business. Um, And I like to not put it on them, but just make sure that they understand that this is an investment and you'll get back as much as you put out. Yeah. So I am there to help you, you know what I mean? But you do need to, after each strategy session, if you want to work together, if you want to catch up every two weeks or each month, it just depends because a lot of people that are professionals or entrepreneurs or leaders, they are quite busy. So it's whatever suits their um, their schedule. So we like to, I like to set objectives and what they want to achieve in the next three months. Um, and then we just build out the foundations of their LinkedIn profile um, and also a content strategy. So I work with them to build a content strategy, how to build an audience or everything like um, networking, like how to join groups. We do all of this over the course of three months. Um, and they come to me, I guess, each time with what they're struggling with. I'm pretty much in their if they need me, they can call me, they can um, email me or voice note me. And it's pretty much just having a personal brand coach in your pocket. Yeah. So within that, if they engage you to optimize their LinkedIn and personal brand, do you also say, oh, look, I think you need a color palette. You need your own glenjames.com. You need a your own logo. Do you get that involved? Um, I have people that I collaborate with. So I have, I know photographers and I work with graphic designers. So I connect with them. So say if they're business owners and they want to kind of build their brand in that, in that sense, then I do connect. You'll just project manage it. I'll project manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Based on what their goals and objectives are and the medium, which is LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cause like some people might come to me and they might already have their banner and their photo sorted. It's Mm. just that they don't know how to articulate their message online. Mm. So then we have to work through what their brand message is, what their tone of voice is. Like, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people do show up on LinkedIn and they sound like robots, for example, because they think it's, I have to sound like this. So Mm. yeah, we go through, yeah, we go through all that, like, that brand message and strategy. And that's it. Like I said before, anyone can get to base camp and you might get to base camp really well, but if someone engages you, you can be like, uh, this hygiene factor crap sucks. You need to pay and get a new photo. Like, so you will look at everything. Absolutely. And it goes back. And then I was saying with that kind of consulting, because it almost is a consultant type relationship for a period of time. Yes. How do you manage that? What do you do if you engage someone and you've only got Friday to work and they're like, yep, I'm good to go, Abby. Uh, Like how do you control that so they don't say, oh, can we do it on Wednesday when you actually have a job? Look, what generally happens is I'm very transparent with what my availability is. Um, And a lot of people in like professional services, they work nine to five anyway. So they either have a lunch break or they have their weekends. So I do do quite a lot of coaching calls on a Saturday anyways. Mm. Um, And normally just um, if they can't do a Friday or a weekend, then I make room on for lunch in the, that lunch period as well because that suits their schedule as well. Yeah, cool. Okay, that's cool. So the problem that a lot of small businesses have, particularly in this type of, um, profe- we'll call it professional services, the whole brand is built around Abby. And over the years, what's going to happen is you'll have more and more clients and then there's only so many physical hours, 
And that's all well and good while we get started. And, you know, it happens with a lot, even if you're a, a tradesperson, for example, like you can only install so many ceiling fans in a day and all that. Like you do get this scale cap out and, you know, the standard market forces can say, well, I'll just increase my prices and then you'll be able to increase your prices. And then you might not be able to charge $30,000 for a consulting session <laughs> where, you know, that's what's required. So how do you how are you navigating this scale thing? And without like putting words in your mouth, I think like as you are growing before you, you know, in a few years time say, all right, I'm doing this full time because you are working on a, a project by project basis, you can just kind of manage that. So if, you know, you're working on someone on the Friday or Saturday, you might say, oh, realistically, I can only do three at a time when I'm working four days a week. And that can kind of lead into our next question, you could literally turn that into a bit of a marketing thing. It's like join my wait list. I only take on five clients at a time or something like that. Correct. Yeah. I At the moment, I am taking it client by client. And I guess um, at the moment, I only want to work with about three clients um, because I do still want to like, I want to respect my my full-time, like my part-time job as well. Mm. Um, and I am grateful that they allow me to balance this because a lot of people kind of don't have that opportunity. Um, so yeah. And and then in my spare time, it's purely focused on building the business mm. behind the scenes. Yeah. No, that's cool. And what I was thinking with that like waitlist thing, right? What you could actually do if we move into like marketing chat and everyone, like when I say all this stuff to guests on the podcast, Number one, I've got no idea. I'm just spitting crap out and it could be totally rubbish. It could be helpful. It could be gold or I could be spitting crap out, but I want you to be thinking on your business and your stuff because it could spark a thought wave that you get your own solution for. So could you do this? I've got a wait list. I don't take on more than five clients. If you want to secure your month and your starting date, there's a deposit required and we lock in the date in three months time and that's you locked in for when we commence your project Mm. and there's a a commitment fee if you pull out of 50% of that deposit or something like that. So so you want to be able to strike while the iron's hot. Yes. Because if someone like me particularly is like, oh, I really want to do this personal brand thing and I'm hot to trot and I, I call you and I'm like, Abby, let's let's yeah. go. And you're like, oh, I'm busy. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I forget about it, move on. Mm. But if you're like, awesome, I only do this. I can lock you in two months time, sign here, lock it in and we'll start then. You've got me in the boat, on the hook, ready to fill it. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome idea. And I think it's about diversifying my office as well. Like, yes, I do the one-on-one coaching, um, but it's also... I do have a few different, and I, I want to speak to you about this as well. Like, mm. would you recommend just purely focusing on the one thing, like say one-on-one coaching? Because at the moment, what I have is I have my T1, which is um, just an offer where I can link, like do an audit on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Um, my second offer is my courses. Um, so they can, you know what I mean? Do that in their own time. And then if they want to work with me um, a little bit more intimately, for 90 minutes, because they're busy professionals, they can work with me for 90 minutes. It's a strategy session. They come to me with about two to three issues that they're having or want to work through. Um, and then if they, you know what I mean, need more time, the one-on-one. 
Yeah, okay. Is that getting too complicated? No, no, there's a lot going on there and I'll probably get, yeah. So 90 minutes for someone like me, kill me. <laughs> so like can you, for example, that 90-minute strategy that you've got that you have with a client, part of the process be and this is like that whole brand. I work with time poor professionals to increase their brand or something like that because yeah. everyone thinks they're time poor and everyone is, but also you've got time to watch freaking Netflix and stuff. But anyway. It's called priority. Yeah, you do what you yeah. want to do. Yeah, yeah. But can you build a tight form and just get data from them before the call and just outsource that half hour of your time onto a tight form survey so you've got it in front of you? Well, generally what happens is I already have, so I ask them questions already, so I have that. So, so you ask it digitally? Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, so that's what already set up. So before they, when they book in with me, I have a list of questions Perfect. there for them. Yep. So okay. I already have a background. So we're skipping that part. Okay. I already know Perfect. what's going on. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, so this is purely like we're not just, you know what I mean, just talking about, so tell me tell me more okay. kind of thing. Like I already know that component. It's more just like, all right, let's let's go okay. kind of thing. Okay, so and this is gets down to the language and the nuance. And I guess they've already paid, but whatever. Yeah. Someone like me... And no one's like, not everyone's like me, but just there are other people that are just like, oh, an hour, kill me, 90 minutes. You're like, look, we're going to put an invite in the calendar for 90 minutes. If we're done in 45, awesome. I'm not going to outstay our welcome, but we'll allow up to 90 or something. Yep. And that's probably irrelevant. But, um, but well, I-, I think all I was saying is it's good that you've, you've outsourced that data collection to technology. Yes. Because it's just data. Yeah. It's like, what's your objective? And it's tick, tick, tick. Exactly. And it just is a time saver as well. So mm. that, because that would honestly take probably half an hour just kind of getting to know, like, are you confident online? Like, you know what I mean? Do you have any limiting beliefs here? Like, mm. you know what I mean? So that just, yeah, or about their objectives and stuff. So that kind of just alleviates that. So we mm. can fully focus on exactly what they're there to do. Cool. All right. So that was just one little thing that I picked up in your uh, preamble about prioritizing. Me personally, if I was in your position right now, you've got one day a week to work on the business because your personal finances and your personal life, because we've all got rent to pay, we've all got food to buy, it's not hanging out desperately to get individual clients. Mm. And the moment it is hanging out desperately to get individual clients is the moment you start to smell of desperation when you are talking to new clients and there's nothing worse than the stench of desperation be it from a person that you've just met that could be a, a love interest or a mm. buying a used car. Like the stench of desperation, it's disgusting. Yeah. So what my unsolicited advice would be either to you or someone else listening, spend that first day a week just building the scale. So we are building that transform your personal brand within a week. And there's literally seven videos and a seven-day program yep. and charge $299 for it. And then any leads that you do get, you can be like, hey, yep, I reckon I can help you. What I would suggest is to do this online course first. There's a heap of prompts. There's a heap of stuff. I want you to – and this is also a good thing for like getting your ideal client or whatever they call it. Do they still call it that ideal client or the perfect client or the type of people that you want to work with? Yep. When I had my financial advice business, I had a criteria of two things for the ideal person that I'd want to work with. The first one was they were willing to pay. So, yep, 
Second one, they valued my advice. Now, Love that. if someone wasn't willing to pay and, and or they were, but they didn't value what my advice was, well, what are we doing here? Hmm. So it could be a good filter to extract out the right person that you want to work with because then what you could do, you could outsource seven videos, change your personal brand in seven days, watch a video a day, dump it next style on Thinkific or whatever. They can watch it, do quizzes at the end of each one, do activities. Then you could say you've completed this course. If you want to apply to do my one-on-one coaching, yeah, not do you want to pay and do my one-on-one coaching, click here, then they fill out the form and you can kind of, do you know what they call push polling? No. Okay. Well, it's kind of like a reverse push poll. So when we do the My Millennial Money um, annual census, I do a push poll and that poll is one of the questions, and I don't do it all the time, peeps, but I'm running a business, so suck it, is (laughs) (laughs) have you read Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested? Yes or no? Have you read Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money? Yes or no? It's a push poll Mm. because it's prompting the person, I didn't know he had a book. No, I might go and buy it. And it's still filtering out the people that are willing to put in the time and energy for, yes. So what you could do is 100% Abby Naylor doesn't take on -on one-on-one clients unless they've done my seven-day boot camp first. Mm. Because what you're also doing is using that seven video lessons and that could be 45 minutes, half an hour. Like what you could do as well outsource a heap of the fodder and the hygiene back to them, like outsource the education so you're not spending your first half hour of the first consult saying, look, hey, the reason why we have to do this is this. Just outsource that to the online course and get them to pay for that Mm low-level training. Then at the end of that, they are like, yep, I want to apply to join the wait list. You can read and like, I'm not going near this person with a 10-foot pole. They're a psychopath and I think they're a tight ass. And this is a way that you can, if you went down that road of I'm outsourcing all pre-work hygiene stuff to this course, it's $2.99 if you, or $3.99, whatever it is, if you go ahead with me, I discount my fee by half of what you've paid. Mm, I love that. And then if they don't want to go, if they don't want to do that, one, it goes back to my business, do they value my advice? And are they willing to put the time in themselves? There is that other thing when you are starting business and you are desperate for cash. Has it got two legs and a heartbeat? Yeah, I'll help. (laughs) That was where I was going with it. I was like, I know a lot of my girlfriends that are small business owners as well. They... They struggled with that because they're like, I, I need to earn money but and I need to be a yes man. I need to but say yes. But you're not them because no, ex- you've got that income. Exactly. and mm. But even, even so, I've still had people reach out to me where they haven't really aligned. With your values. Aligned with my values and I... And yes, I do have the security of my part-time job to kind of do that where some people are going fully all in. Mm. Um, but I, that is all, that's a really important thing for me. Like I don't just want to work with every Tom, Dick and Harry. Like mm. I want to work with people that do align to, um, yeah, my values. So I would honestly, like because it's not that I need money to put food on my table, let's slow down. You know, it's almost the end of the year. Let's spend the next few months literally building that pre-work online course, change the language to apply for my one-on-one coaching 
join the wait list. Mm. You've got a scarcity and you've got a premium it. Yes. Because that will also attract the people who value what you do. Mm. And as well, like the online mm. courses and stuff, like I can log into Thinkific for the Glenn James spending plan. You can see, I think on balance, the average consumption rate of each video. You can see, you can, I can log into a user and say, oh, mm. Okay, you've watched 20% of that video and you said you completed my course. Interesting. <laughs> Layer. Um, you can do quizzes, I think. So yeah. I just think you've got the best opportunity just to slow down one notch, not put your energy into that one-on-one stuff now because if you do, you'll get on this treadmill mm. of the one-on-one, you'll end up quitting your job because you've got all this one-on-one work and then in two years' time, a year's time, depending how fast it takes off, got all this one-on-one work, guess what? You're not going to have time to reverse back all the energy to actually do a really good offering yes. to reverse that yeah. and to slow it down. Yeah. I think it's being really intentional with your time, What like prioritising, mm-hmm. okay, so what do I need to do now? And like you said, because I do have that part-time position where it is paying, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, putting food on the table and paying my rent and stuff like that, it does give me the capacity to kind of slow down a little bit. The other thing you could do as well, just do like advertise it on LinkedIn, um, charge $49 and do, I'm doing a group LinkedIn coaching session, a live one uh, where you pay, there's no more than 20 people in the workshop. I don't use the word webinar for anything that I do because it's so fatigued. So Mm -hmm. I use digital workshop. Um, You could do that, uh, which is the traditional um, feeder model for professional businesses. Yep. Um, but yeah, my encouragement would be to just, because money isn't the problem getting those premium one-on-one clients because everyone knows who's worked one-on-one with a client, it takes longer than what you think. You're probably not charging enough. Yeah. And sometimes you get the biggest headaches in the world. And if I could encourage you to try and have a filter before they get to you, it will make your life better. And it'll be more profitable because you could probably charge a bit more of a premium yeah. uh, because someone has paid the $4.99, $3.99, the $2.99 yeah. to do that online thing. Mm. You could also um, look at doing, do you have like a Facebook group or LinkedIn group? No, not yet. So you could create one and be like LinkedIn personal brand group or something like that and yeah. not necessarily call it bold mood but be that, um, influencer, be that authority in that niche. Yep. So other people who want to increase their personal brand or all that, that come to you and you can do a bit more group thing because then you build a bit of a community. Yes. So, I mean, there's lots to do and I just also do what you want. This is not me telling you. I'm just – Yeah. Um, I've just learned over time like – You've been in business a long time. Yeah, but, but I've more learned like everything I say isn't going to be gospel. It's just – I'm just, it's your experience. Yeah, but I'm just spitting stuff out and take it or leave it. And yeah. So you want to ask some questions that could I, help you or other people? I do have a question for you. And this is around, I guess, say if my big goal was eventually to um, do speaking gigs, international speaking gigs. Mm. Um, so for me to gain that reach, obviously I've been working on my personal brand online, but to gain that extra, I guess, organic reach, do you recommend starting a podcast or a YouTube channel? I would probably say the short answer is no. Mm. Why do you ask about the podcast or YouTube channel? I think it is a effective way 
to get add more value, mm-hmm. um, especially if I guess if I am aiming to, you know, what I mean, dip my toe in more speaking events down the line. I guess that just gives another an avenue of people like the voice behind Abby Naylor or the, you know what I mean, the face behind, you know what I mean? And yes, you can show up on your social media pro, um, platforms like that. But I guess some people prefer podcasts and liked, you know what I mean? So it just kind of gives you that extra reach. Yeah, it does. But I always, one of the things that I've worked on this year, probably the first time ever in my business is to really look at that cost benefit. And I'm not talking financial cost. It's more that energy and the time cost and the benefit. Mm. So I would say, number one, if you did particularly your exact industry, right, or the corner of the world that you operate in, if you did a podcast, it's very niche. Yes. Okay. Within its own right. And I'm talking like, so my like financial advisor podcast, that was very profitable because it was niched maybe only got five or 600 listeners an episode, mm. but it was very profitable because those 500 people, most of them are small business owners and most of them are advisors, like ticks the, all the boxes. Mm. The average podcast in the world has like 120 listens an episode. Yep. Because it's, you know, <laughs> are you even a person if you don't have a podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I think I'm getting at is if that's the goal to get – corporates to pay you to speak in front of other people, right? I'm not having a podcast. Like what would the topics be in that podcast? I guess it would just be around the conversations that I'm having with clients or people that I'm engaging with online, like just answering their pain points. Okay. Yeah. So let's take Shell from the My Millennial Career podcast. That podcast is pretty broad. It's a big net, sure, in the career world. But her business, her core business is that team culture, team values, leadership reset, all that stuff. So she casts the net, but we just make sure, and I've said this to her and uh, John and Emily, like I want you to advertise, because there's no money in podcasts, quote Mm. unquote, but I want you to advertise your business at the top of the episode. So like I'm Shell Johnson, I do ABC, if I can help, let me know. Okay, now we're talking cast the net. So yes, you could... But if I flip it back, if your goal is to just get more speaking events and corporate events, right, without the podcast, number one, every time you do a corporate event, so you did one the other day for a pretty well-known university, university, why haven't we, and you may have, I'm just making drama, why haven't we emailed the contact at that university and said, hey, could you give me a two-liner testimony? I have. Awesome you're onto it. Why then haven't you, and you may have, I'm just, you know, yeah. slide for LinkedIn or something, university logo, testimony, Abby was great with our team. I'd, and it's like, hey, everyone, if you don't know, I do corporate events up on LinkedIn, recognize university. If you're doing a speaking event, get photos. So this, I need to organize this ASAP. When I'm on stage at FinCon in front of a thousand people, I am going to book a local photographer in New Orleans to come in. Mm. Their whole reason for freaking existing for those hours are to get shots of me on stage in front of the big crowd. I can't rely on the content. And FinCom will do it, but I need to rely on I need content because I want to do the same thing, do corporate stuff. 
when you are speaking, can you get, you know, you might not have the money to pay an $800 thousand photographer while you're starting your business. But every time you're on stage, every time we do a LinkedIn post, part of your strategy, and you'd probably, and this is the whole thing, right? It's the whole plumber with the leaking taps. Like we're so good at like, yeah, do this. Like you'd probably tell a client, hey, once a fortnight, we do a post advertising that you speak to corporates. Like you've got your yeah. main funnel, which is your LinkedIn. Yeah. So I would just keep doubling down on that messaging. Okay. Your mind's ticking and that's cool. Mm. And I don't know if it's ticking because I've missed the point, but all I would say is if you did start a podcast, this goes back to anyone who wants to start a podcast. What are you doing? Who are you speaking to? So what and what's I, the purpose? Exactly. So I guess when you started your podcast, what your like I guess your goal was yep. to you know what I mean, educate millennials on, you know what I mean, financial yes. freedom. You yeah, know so what my mean? So- goal was I was sick of doing one-on-one. Yeah. Everyone that come in the freaking office, oh, I need financial advice. You need a bloody budget and you need to stop spending more than you earn. <laughs> like I was sick of saying that one-on-one. Yeah, okay. So I'm like, okay, I need to start a podcast. There's a clear trend here. Need to educate. And I want to go from one to one to one to many. Yeah. And then within that, I want to do an online business. Yeah. So for me, that was kind of the pivot. It was a business decision. It was I saw a need. There was So I'm just careful rather than you running out and like, I'm starting a podcast. I think what I'm hearing is I want you to be saying podcast as a strategic business decision, not a tactical thing because tactical things change. Yeah quarter on quarter, year on year, you got to always look. And this is probably one for those small business owners and even new abs, like we've got to stick to strategy Mm. and stick to committing to strategy and not get distracted by things that could be half tactile. Yeah. So the strategy is I'm doing my freaking online course. Yeah. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's, this is great. The tactic could be you're like, I want to start a podcast how do we get abs on as many other business podcasts talking about your craft? Mm. Outsource that promotion. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Mm, yeah, like I didn't think be of it that, like that go-to yeah. person that you get you you're a guest on other podcasts, you're a guest on other YouTube channels. I want to do more speaking. Why aren't we going to an, a speaking agency and saying, "Hey, if you've got any clients that need sessions on personal branding, LinkedIn specifically, let me know. Here's my rate card. They take 20%. Yeah. I outsource that. So what I focused on in the first few years of my business was, was they call them, have you heard of the centers of influence? Mm, no. It might be more of a financial planning mortgage broker. Yeah, term. Yeah, so a center of influence is, so me, I was a financial advisor a center of influence for me was an accounting business. Yeah. So I get that relationship and the accountants send me their clients. So can you focus your next couple of years, one, doing the online course, scalable stuff, and two, focusing your energy on centers of influence and people that can send you clients. Yeah. Potentially. Mm. And then they send you clients. Oh, sweet. I've been referred to you by this recruiter. They reckon you're a good executive, but you need to up your LinkedIn game. Yeah. Uh, go to abs. They come to you. 
oh, hey, guess what? Yeah, my process is to do this online course first. Yeah. So, and but that goes back to strategy. How are you getting clients in the door and what's the process? And then we've got to talk about get their email. Let's build a marketing list or an email list. And yeah. it could be once a fortnight, I'll send you a tip that I've learned this week on your personal brand. But yep. all this is this strategy stuff and I really think... So you recommend only starting a podcast, I guess, if you have a strategy strategy in place mm-hmm. and, yeah, it's not kind of just built on that tactic. Like, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's got to be that core yep. business strategy. Yeah. And because if I said, and this is like so many people like, oh, I want to start a podcast, I want to start a podcast. I've said to people, I'm like, write me down... 20 episodes that you would do on your podcast. Yep. Then I'll have a coffee with you. Then we'll chat about it. Most people don't get back to me. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yep. Because I'll caution anyone from just running out and saying, all right, I'll start a podcast to do this. I'm like, okay, don't let that be a distraction. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, I'd really, really think about maybe writing down even – see, I was never really big in business plans. Yeah. Um, I'm really big on this is what I want to achieve over the next six months. Yeah, and that's like, how I work Yeah, as well. like yeah. just more direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, but it, within a month's time, I want to do this online course. Mm. Within two months' time, I want to be able to – have spoken to a different agency or within three months' time I need to book three different podcasts. Yes. I don't know. And yeah, I work better like that as well. Yeah, and then what I'll do is like start to look at some different business podcasts and I'll introduce you to um, Owen Rask. They do the Australian business podcast. Yep. Like I'm happy to introduce you and you can, um, you know, the intro I can't guarantee they would say, yep, come on, but how do you like – Go. It's all about starting the conversation. Yeah, and just like, hey, Rowan, I talked to Abs. I think it's a really good discussion. Would you like to have her on your podcast? Yep. And then just start being that go-to person. Like we're sitting here today, the first part of the interview, I set a camera up and Ab can, you know, you can cut it up and make content. And I just think it's that – and also it's that what's your platform. Like LinkedIn, it's obviously you own it. You know, you've got to be where your clients are hanging out yeah, and your customers. And I just think because it is so niche, that podcasting thing, you've then got to advertise the podcast and it's really hard. Mm. Like I would struggle to start a new podcast today yeah. without having My Millennial Money as the mothership. It might be a year three strategy. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Like it could be like do it and do it weekly. But you, if you do it, you've got to commit to it. Mm. And my whole thing is, okay, you want to start a podcast today, that's cute, like joking, like it's it's fine, anyone can start a podcast, but how you, what's your distribution channel? Yeah. And but the question is, over the next two or three years, can you build that community of like-minded people, even other professionals that do similar stuff with you? Yeah. Do Instagram lives, do, I don't know, like. Because a lot of people, mm, like a lot of people either – Generally, people start the podcast first. Mm. But what do you think about, I guess, 
you know what I mean, building your audience on, you know what I mean, for example, LinkedIn, like keep building your personal brand and keep building your influence and impact. And then I guess in, like you said, two to three times, okay, now I think it's, it's time for me to share this education in a different funnel. Yeah. And then you've got at least somewhere to distribute it to. Yeah. Because realistically, it's like build the email list. It's a community that you're building. Start the face group, grow the LinkedIn presence, be that person because it's just such a long game. And mm. I, yeah, I know I, I'm, and, but I, don't, do you think I don't have that, the answers. But. Do you think that like starting the podcast though and kind of having mm. that extra reach, it will it feeds people to your LinkedIn and it feeds people to it your does. website. You know what I mean? So yes. it adds as that no, another organic marketing tool. Yes. So And get this right. It could be a tool. I go on other podcasts. I'm Abby from this podcast. Yeah. You're talking to people who already listen to podcasts. So there's more of a chance of growing that. But this all goes back to that human thing. You've got, we'll call it one and a half days a week at the moment. What do you put your energy towards Mm. to get the most bang for your buck? Yeah. I personally think it is that pre-online course because that is scalable and you can turn that into real dollars straight away. Yeah. And like you said, with podcasting, it's a long game strategy as well. That's right. Yeah. You're not earning, you're going to have to edit yourself. Yeah. You're going to have to outsource the editing maybe. It, you pull that thread and you commit to it, you want to make sure you can get a podcast up at least weekly. Mm. So I'm just thinking commit to doing your own online course because realistically as well, you keep building that. People subscribe, they pay for it, they're engaged. You build your email list from it. Do you have an email list provider or anything like that? It's something I'm building at the moment. Yeah, so you just set it up. So once they enroll in that, the email goes over to the thing. It's... Mm. Um, then halfway through next year, you've got a bit of a rhythm. You're selling some online courses. Mm. And I'm like this online course stuff, I'm talking about like PowerPoint slide or keynote slide, yep. clicking loom record. But like we're talking a minimal viable product. We need to test the market. Absolutely. Because the thing, okay, get this, Shell and I, we were going to do this online career course thing, right? And we almost booked in to get a videographer, professional camera crew to come in and film yep. this uh, online course, how to get a pay rise, how to do all this stuff, do all this. We're going to sell it like heaps of money. We'd just written the book. We're like, we'll turn this book content. I'm like, yeah, we'll do pre-sales and all that. And then we're just like, hang on, what the hell are we doing? We don't even know if the market would actually pay for this. Hmm. So we started advertising it on My Millennial Money, like $299. We're like, all right, let's just promote it get some sales and then we'll film it just loose and then we'll, anyway, didn't sell that many. Yeah. I'm like, oh, far out. I was so glad we didn't put all this effort into like professional. So so for you, I'm talking about like yeah. literally seven presentations, no more than five slides, loom, even do round one, $99. Yeah. Let's get some data on yep. the board. Let's try this because I could be completely wrong. And that's why you need to just test the market, test the thing, minimal viable product crap. Yep. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, I need to try something else. Mm. Whether that is um, I do once a month digital workshops, group coaching, $99 for the hour. You can't make it. There's a replay. Mm. All before going after the one-on-one. Yeah. I think as well over the years I've bought people's courses mm. and playbooks and stuff like that. And I've watched them have the whole setup, you know what I mean? And 
even the feedback from like even hearing them on their podcast and say, I probably wouldn't do it like that again. I would honestly just, you know what I mean? Even what's his name on um, LinkedIn? His, I forget his name now, but I honestly bought a course of his, like it was something like something in the LinkedIn realm mm. and it cost me $200. Mm. And he honestly was sitting in his lounge room. He had, you know what I mean? He had his yeah. casual clothes on. <laughs> he had his casual clothes on and he was honestly just had his PowerPoint up yeah. and he was speaking to it. Then you had action items at the end of that. You know what I mean? And it was and it was engaging for me because with my attention span, I like, you mm. know what I mean? I like sh- short and sharp. Mm. And it was engaging and it was human to human. Like it wasn't this whole yep. production. Yeah. And also the problem and opportunity, because I, I, I want to also be positive because- you niche down, you print money, basically. Mm. But we need to know of, we'll call it 10 people on LinkedIn who are executives or who are your target market. There's probably only one that would want to pay for you yep. or 10%, yep. maybe even less. So this is why we need to really test and learn really fast. Mm. When we are dealing with niches, what I would, yeah, really, why don't you put a poll? Can you do polls on LinkedIn yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, put a poll up. Hey, I'm developing a seven-day LinkedIn rebrand online boot camp workshop. I hate the word boot camp, but whatever. Yeah. I don't care what you call it. Would you do it? Yes or no? The next week. Or do you go, hey, I'm building out this workshop, had heaps of like interest from people. Would you be interested? Yes, $99. Yes, one ninety nine, yes, two ninety nine, yes, four ninety nine. No, I'd prefer one on one. Or yeah, okay. No, I'm completely DIY. But do you think people are obvious? Do you think the obvious is, obvious choice is going to be the cheapest price? Not always. Yeah, I've been surprised. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, to, and well, okay. What about this? Start at one ninety nine. Yeah. And what you could do as well. Um, this is the cool thing about what you do. It can cross borders. Mm. So there's no reason why you can't target the US. Yep. Uh, so Sim, who does Girls and Invest, she sells her online courses for USD. Um, so $199. Mm-hmm. If you did $199 US for my course, it's pretty good. Yeah. You get the 30% currency uplift mm-hmm. uh, because they're paying with USD. Uh, so yeah, that's probably a good strategy to make you more global. All costs are in US dollars because I'm, I've got a global brand and yep. LinkedIn's global. Yeah, just so think if it could, no, Teachable, when we had our first online course, their data says you don't really want to charge less than $200 for an online course because it's that perceived value. Yes. So it's like enough that people will stretch for it and it's, mm. you know, perceived value. So I know for you, I'm on the online course train, but it is a different because you are an online digital business that can scale mm. really rapidly. Yep. It's the different way when, you know, you talk to electricians or whatever, it's like you need to do something different to get like, do you do letterbox drops? Like yeah. really keep micro and offline. Um, but then again, you know, I think every business should be an online business by the way we install air conditioners, by the way we install ceiling fans. Mm. By the way, I help you with your LinkedIn because the strategies and the building of the client and getting new clients. I've just been so frothing on online businesses since the iPhone came out. Yeah. Because everyone's got a shop in their pocket 24 7. So we need to be able to, like, imagine this. Imagine someone lands on a LinkedIn post for you on a Saturday night. 
And trust me, guys, I've been on LinkedIn Saturday nights because I'm boring and but... <laughs> so am I. I'm only 29. And yeah, yeah. But what, like, so th- the way I see these people, like, what if you're walking down Westfield here at Qatar or whatever overnight? You know, you know those days where it's like, we're going to the movies at night, let's go down to Woolworths, get some lollies so we don't have to pay kidney for some Maltese, we'll just get them at Woolworths. And you're walking past all these shops and I walk past and it's like, oh, I do need to get some shoes, but they're closed. Mm. Having the online offering is like having people walk through the shopping centre and it's open 24-7. I'm an online shopper. Like yeah. I hardly go to the shops. Yeah. Yeah. But specifically for you, like what mm. if someone is like stumbles on your website, stumbles on your LinkedIn Goes to your website. Oh, I need Abby now. Oh, it's Saturday night. Oh, no, I do want to get started. I'm going to enroll right now. Yeah. You've scooped that money. Yeah. In the moment. Got yeah. them into your system. Got them on. You could even do a a 101 starter course. This is just three modules, basic $99. I don't know, just experiment. Yeah. So you, it's just that agile, not committing straight away to stuff and just playing with it. My whole life is a big game. I'm just playing with different things at all times. Yeah. And you don't know until you trial and test as well. Yeah. You've just got to mess around yeah. because what could happen is, and that's why we have to be fit, fast and agile and like, yeah. right, I'm going to go to market with this course. If it doesn't work, no, but guess what? I found out this real thing. Mm. People are after something else that you can slip into and meet that need. Yeah. And then one step further, can you take what you're doing so I would say your offering at the moment, and this comes back to strategy, is very much a B to C strategy. Mm. Yeah. You want the end user? Yeah. That's cool. How do you package it up so you can go to other recruiters all around Australia and have a B to B model? Yeah. And it's like, hey, can you distribute this online course to your applicants? It's one ninety nine, and if you do it, I'll give you thirty percent. Or fifty percent. Mm. Do the affiliate model B two B. Yeah, because you're not in threat yep. with their business. And then what you're doing, it goes back to that center of influence. Mm. You're doing, you're getting other people to market for you. Yeah, and that's where the scale comes in. We're providing an online course, or if we want to go one step further, and I'm just talking chat right now, but whatever. Hmm. Could you do it? So you go to recruiters, and I've got no idea how the recruiting world works, right? Yeah. Could you go to recruiters and be like, hey, for $200 a month, I'm making up a number, mm-hmm. could be 500 whatever. You've got access to my platform and you can send a unique link to any of your applicants on your database to do my course and you have that as your value proposition to mm-hmm. people looking. For, and I know that- Then you, like, if new starters can be part of the onboarding yeah. Program or something. So yeah. like, so the the whole thing, and it, it is a dance because, you know, a recruiter's client is the employer, mm. but maybe it is more of a marketing play for them. Like, hey, come and find a job. It could, because yeah, as good as a recruiter's relationship is with the employer, if they don't have unemployed people or people looking for a new job coming to them, well, what good are you anyway? Because it is an ecosystem. Exactly. So could you do it? Hey, my online course, it's $200 a month. Um, we give you 50 codes 
Or you, you could sell it in codes. You could start even just from leaders, like, hey, leaders, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, leaders in a company yep. could, you know what I mean, do the course and then filter it down or you know what I mean? Yeah, like but the, you've just got to be careful there. Mm. It's like our uh, sort of career out book, I don't recommend any business owner mm. give it to their staff okay. because it's real threatening. Because if I'm a staff member and I give the sort your career out book to my employees, mm. you might kick a sleeping dog and next minute you've got big problems because they're reading all this stuff. I understand yes. from your perspective, even from like personal branding, like. But how many businesses would want their leaders investing in their own personal brand because it could mean that they want to leave the company and do their own thing? Not that it always means that. Yeah, I don't think it always means that. Like I think the benefit of employees investing in their personal brand as it drives traffic to the company brand yep. as but, well. But that's a smaller percentage mm. in terms of you going out to try and sell that package to leaders than you trying to go out and sell that package to recruiters. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. And I guess the whole point is building as a recruiter, for example, you want to build trust with your audience. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? With your clients and your candidates. So, you know what I mean? Showing up and that's all part of that brand. So okay. I've got a question. What if you did it, you did the online course, right? And you go to a recruiter, you might even ask your current recruiting company. Mm. Did we say you work for a recruiter? Recruitment agency. Yeah. Yeah. What if you're like, you buy promo, you buy login codes that they can give to applicants to up their game on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. What if you said to your company, hey, can I legitimately trial this? No cost. Can we give it to some people to do the my online course? Well, is that in conflict? Yes, it would be. I th- uh, look, I've built a personal branding playbook th- at my full time job. Okay, so okay, we'll forget that. Yeah, can you go to another agency yeah. down the road who that, might not have this? That would th- be a conflict of interest. Whilst I'm still okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But like, let's just say it's not a recruiter. Let's just say it's a real estate agent. Yes. Let's let's yes. use a real estate agent yes. for example. Yes. Yeah. Can you go to a real estate agency and say, hey, I've done this. Can I literally give you five codes to give to five of your agents yep. to do this? And then just so I can get some anecdotal data. The thing is as well with sometimes with those real estate agencies, the arrangements, they're all self-employed anyway. And the agency itself might not pay for it as a value add. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have to sell it individually. I think we need to find the company. Yeah. If you can somehow crack that B2B, that will also lead to you doing more B2B speaking events. So it's kind of this ecosystem or like you do a speaking event about personal brand stuff. Oh, by the way, if you want more info, if you want to do my online course, here it is, advertise the online course. Yep. I like it. Lots to chew on, and this I is know. this is why it takes. That's what I mean. I'm just so I'm soaking yeah, it but all. Up. You can re-listen to this. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. As I said, like I want everyone who's still listening to be like, how do I really turn up my business and really like get creative? Yeah, and as a like an early business owner, it is you know what I mean. You're making it up as everyone yeah. else. You're making it up as you go along. You're trialing and testing the waters and what your audience need and stuff like that. So yeah, having this conversation with you has been mm. super valuable. Do you have any other last kind of questions or? 
Um, that could be valuable for other people listening. My question to you, Glenn, is because I've heard, yeah, as a service provider, when you're getting paid, do you instantly pay yourself or do you, you know what I mean, put it back into the business? So I guess how can small business owners strike a balance between reinvesting in their businesses and taking home a reasonable income? Yeah. So there's kind of some stages like I'll talk if people do not have another job and another source of income and anyone from day one, you have to have that separate account put aside for tax. If at all possible, put 30% aside because you'll get a tax bill one day and you've got to have that money there. So you'd probably want to do that out of sight, out of mind if possible, Mm. or at least a separate account. Then in terms of like income, the reality is we want a separate bank account for the business. So all income comes into the bank account for the business, all expenses just for the business comes out of that. The reality is when you're in startup, if you get paid $2,000 for something, you might put $600 aside for tax in that separate account. So I've got $1,400. Well, I haven't been paid for two weeks. That money's going straight over to my personal account. <laughs> I'm living like that's the, so that's kind of stage one. It's ad hoc. Mm. We're freaking scraping it. Yeah. Oh, it, it could even get to the point where to pay rent, you've got to borrow money from the dedicated tax account because I know that there's this other job coming in and yeah. it will like you just yeah. have to be on top of it. Yeah. So the first stage it is sloppy mm. and it's just like as long as we're not going into debt, no consumer debt, no credit cards if possible, just beg, borrow, steal, pay Peter to borrow from Paul, whatever the saying mm. is, all that stuff. Then the second stage would be to try and aim in your personal financial life, try and have your budget and work out how much you need to live off bare minimum. Yeah. Like don't start, don't have us like, well, I need to save $200 a month for holidays or stuff like that. When bare we're, minimum. Yeah, just how much do I need to exist? Yeah. And then if that's, I'll make a number up, $1,500 a week. Next priority is I need to set it up so... Every week I'm transferring $1,500 from the business account to my personal account. Or if your pay cycles or whatever in the business are fortnightly, every fortnight I need to do $3,000. Yeah. Whether there is $10 left in the business account that week or $10,000 every week. So you've just got to start to get that system. Mm. I've always like for the last million years, once I got through that startup curve after three to four years, tried to get to that regular fortnightly payment. So the Glenn James, who's got rent to pay and food to eat, gets a wage from his business account. Mm -hmm. So you get to that stage. And within that, there could be money building up in the business account. And then it's like, oh, it's Christmas time, work's a bit low. Number one, I'm still going to draw a wage because there is money in the business account. Yep. Number two, oh, going overseas, because this is what I did, save money in the business, going overseas, because I was drawing the minimum. I know there's money there because, you know, there is that bit of a active paying attention. I need five grand to go on this holiday. Mm. Just pull that five grand out of the business as an ad hoc payment. Yeah. Until you kind of get to kind of stage three where we're actually going, how much do I need in my personal life to draw a livable salary, which includes savings and investing yeah. and all that. So that's yeah, stage okay. three. Yeah. Stage four is then money is building up in the business and we've got a track record of being able to pull a workable salary. 
Then it goes back to business basics 101. Money left over that isn't needed, we take as profit for business owners or we invest back into the business. Mm. Part of that stage four is looking and going, look, any money that's left over every quarter or every six months, I've got a separate bank account. We call that retained earnings. I put 30% in there and I take the rest as income okay. or profit. Yep. And then that money builds up. You might even go to a really, if the cash flow is coming in, you might even do it weekly. It's like, yeah, every time I get paid, 10% GST, 30% income tax, what's that, 40 10% retained earning accounts, the rest stays in the business, that covers my income, builds up and then covers any profit. And then with that retained earnings, um, you know, you might go, okay, I need to buy equipment. Traditionally, if you're in a business, might be, well, I'm a saving, I've got to buy a new generator for when we're working on site. You know, that's a business equipment, you buy that. Mm. We've got to buy a photocopier or in the office. Or it could be in your situation, I need to buy a new camera, some lights, going to start doing some stuff. I'm going to reinvest that back into the business. Yeah. Um, you might even, a lot of people carve off, go, yeah, every time we get paid, we put 5% into an account just for marketing. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no way, but all I would say is really look at those four stages. Yeah, definitely at stage one. Yeah, so stage one, it is sloppy. Yep. It's wild. It's <laughs> You're wrapping your head around things. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. I'm a disciple. I'm all this <laughs> sayings and all that stuff. It's wild. As long as we're not using any debt yep. because the minute you start using debt, it will unravel you mm. because it's too sloppy and you'll be behind. Yeah. And you've got a job, which is awesome. So in theory, at the moment, you could actually skip stage one and just leave money in the business account. Only use that money mm. for potentially some ad hoc stuff in your life because yeah. you don't have, you've had a 20% pay cut because you've started this business only working four days a week. Yeah. That 20% holidays might've come out of that home deposit savings or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm probably being okay with being cash heavy and just keeping money in the business account mm -hmm. and only using that money uh, to build a war chest in the yep. business, just business savings. What if it's the money it's investing in the business? So say if it's a, I've got a business mindset coach, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's I, fine. That's yeah. investing. Yeah. What if I'm using the money I'm earning from my business and, and throwing it into that? Yeah. Yeah. You can yep. do that. Yeah. Like the money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. It's not coming from your full-time job because your full-time job four days a week is paying Abby to live and yeah. be a person. Yeah. But the other 20%, sure, you have made that judgment call. Yeah. Which means it will potentially mean by doing this, because what I'm getting at is if you kept building money in the business, get to a stage where it's a war chest, knowing that, and we'll go back to that $3,000 a fortnight that we need to live off, whatever the amount is, $1,000, call it $1,000 a week if someone needed that to leave off. Yep. We get to the stage like I want the business to save 50 grand because then I know I can draw two grand a week or for six months or yep. a grand a week to live off yep. for 12 months. And that war chest after you've started, because this is the cool thing, as the business starts to save money and builds up and at the moment you've actively chosen to invest into those coaching things, which I honestly think sometimes they're not needed forever. Mm. It's just to kind of get you up and going. Yeah. 
So you might be fine with your mindset soon. So you build up that war chest. And as you're building that war chest six months or a year, still working four days a week, guess what? All right. And this is the mind F that a lot of people can't come to grips with, right? Then what we do is we've been doing it for two years, working part-time for two years or one year, building the business on the side. We've got capital here. I've seen signs of life in the business. Mm. Now I'm resigning because I have to, because it's getting so busy in the business. And if the worst case scenario goes, I can set my business account to transfer $1,000 a week into my personal account for one year. Yeah. And that gives you all the confidence of the world that we keep, we can kind of just cross over and then start to go at it. Amazing. So you do have that luxury right now. Yeah. Um, and then realistically, if it does take you a year to save, because it's that three to five years, yeah. like 70, 80% of businesses don't last three to five years. So we've got to get through those curves. You know, we've just passed the um, the podcast five years. Yeah. Even though we've really only been incorporated fully for three years, I know the product is because I started it on the side when I was still doing financial advice, right? Yeah. So I know that we're legitimately established. But yeah, you've just really got to get to the point where you are keeping on a personal wage. Yeah. Because if, if either aren't right, like if your personal life is financially sloppy, it's going to be sucking heaps of money out of the business yeah. because there's no things. It's just going to bleed into it. Yeah. yeah. And vice versa. If your business stuff is sloppy, mm. it's not going to – your personal life will feel affected. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Just out of consumer debt, don't worry about credit cards. Don't try and be smart and I use credit in the business. And <laughs> Because if you get ahead of yourself, it will unravel, particularly in the first three to five years. Yeah. Definitely. So the only investments you should be making in your business, I would hypothesize at the moment, is your actual physical time into creating online products that you can sell. Yep. Time, that's the investment that you need to be making at the moment, as well as the the mindset stuff because that's of value to you. Mm. Um, I personally wouldn't pay for a mindset mentor because it's not of value to me and I actually had one who mm. did it for free anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a value to you and yep. your growth and someone will say, well, don't do that, just do it anyway. But it's that ecosystem, well, if I don't do this, I'm not there yet to do it. Like mm. I actually need that to succeed. Yeah. Um, and everyone has their thing. But, yeah, I reckon, I reckon we should call it. Yeah. I don't know if I got to all your questions, but far out we had a chat. We did have a chat, Glenn What is it up to? Almost, yeah, it was over two hours yeah. on this recorder. No, it was awesome. No, I got a lot out of it. So thank you very much. No worries. Well, everyone, that is a small business little episode for y'all. Um, you can find Abby on LinkedIn. <laughs> Here's one. So on LinkedIn, we want people to search Abby Nail or not. Yes. Bold mood. Yes. So LinkedIn her up. Yeah. If you want to turn up your LinkedIn game, guess what? You suck at LinkedIn. So you need someone like Abby to help. Pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> Am I wrong? No. <laughs> no That's you're why, not. like, I suck at servicing my car, so I pay someone. Exactly. I suck at bookkeeping. Don't know how to do it. Not interested in learning. 
I need help, I pay for help. This is pretty simple, everyone. If you want results in your small business, in your professional life, in your life, sometimes you need to pay a professional to do it. So pay for Abby to help one-on-one after you've done her course or bought something from her. Okay, bye. Thank you, Glenn. (laughs) We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. 